in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read verses 26 through 35, and you can follow along with me. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproachers, tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Now, this is uh, the fourth time in the book of Hebrews. The writer is talking about apostasy. And I've preached on it every single time. (laughs) So, here I am again. So, um... I take God's word very seriously. I dig into it and I always pray and ask God to give me revelation of his word and what he wants to speak to us and that we should take his word with the utmost seriousness. Here, starting in verse 26, this word, we begin with the word for, and this is a connecting word that's directly linked to verse 25. And verse 25, we know is, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching for if we continue to sin willfully. So the connecting verses here are thought of the consequences to which the neglect of the corporate gathering may lead. Four is the connecting word directly linked to verse 25. Do not forsake the gathering of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching and, and the connecting verses are thought of in the consequences to which the neglect of the corporate gathering may lead and the awful revelation of judgment, which the final day will bring. It's another warning similar to what I preached in Hebrews chapter six, same thing for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves, the son of God and put him to an open shame. 
The state described as one of willful and continued sin, which is the result and expression of apostasy from Christ. He is not saying if we fall under temptation and commit sin, but if we are sinning willfully. The descriptive words are few as compared with those of chapter 6, but they are teaching us the same lesson. The full knowledge of the truth has been received by these Hebrews to whom the writer writes here. And they have been sanctified in the blood of the covenant. And he says, for such there remains no longer a sacrifice for sins. That offering of Jesus, which they deliberately reject, has abolished all earlier sacrifices. The observance and ceremonies of Judaism, which had been uh, full meaning, while they foreshadowed him that was to come. And I think I talked about that last time, how Old Testament uh, foreshadowed the coming of Christ. How the, the blood sacrifices foreshadowed the coming of Christ. And these had lost power since Christ came. And so these Hebrew believers then, having lived under that sacrificial system, where sinning willfully was commonplace, because they could experience a sacrificial lamb every year. So it became commonplace. Now, I don't, I don't slaughter animals, but I suppose if that was your lifestyle, Pastor Kevin, in, in, Africa, it would be commonplace to slaughter an animal and use the blood. And so these Hebrew writers here, knowing and understanding the commonplace of animal sacrifices, and that if I continue to sin, that once again next year, I could come and be renewed. And he's saying, no. Can't do that. You can't treat the only Sin offering and, and, and knowingly and willingly rejection of the sin offering of Christ. God thus provides no other sacrifice. It's not a yearly thing. Can't come in and repent and go do your thing for a year. Come back in, repent, go do your thing for a year. Come back. No. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And I came upon this man. His name is Joe Kelly, and he works for an organization that seeks to maintain the authority of Scripture. And he wrote this. <clears throat> it's going to be hard for some of you guys to hear. CNN reported that professing a professing Christian recording artist's son died of an accidental overdose of fentanyl and amphetamines. While not trying to be insensitive to his family, there's no such thing as an accidental overdose of that combination of drugs. The risk is clear that to submit one's life to be medicated by the agents of Satan is to invite spiritual and physical death. It may be slow in years in the future, or it may be quick. There was a time when such incidents only occurred in the hopeless and the sin-bound people of the world system. But now that the great and final apostasy has occurred, the majority of professing Christians are apostates. And the younger generations are with the blessing of leadership accepting the influences of the kingdom of darkness. They are dying of sin-caused maladies. 
And everyone makes mistakes. No one is perfect. But true Christians do not commit flagrant and willful wickedness and rebellion against God. To do so would require rejecting the indwelling Holy Spirit and defiling his temple. It is to depart from God. It is a great mistake and extremely dangerous to young and impressionable professing Christians to project dying from a combination of illegal drugs as a mere Christian mistake. Instead, it should be identified for what it is, the consequence of departing from the living God. It should be a warning to the ones who are on the verge of doing the same thing. No one wishes to injure the grieving friends and family members, but they will grieve no matter what. So why marginalize the rebellious and dangerous behavior leading more young people to take the same risk? Why make certain that more parents will be awakened in the night with the tragic news that their son or daughter is in eternity? Maybe if the true path of discipleship and what it means to be a genuine child of God was preached and taught more often and thoroughly, fewer young men and women would depart from the fountain of living water to drink from Satan's broken cisterns. Tragically, this is not the case. Instead, there are millions of people claiming to be Christians but are unwilling to live or accept that the truly, what that truly means. And they believe it means that under the guise of loving lost people to conform to the world's system and its lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And to listen to their music or preach is like drinking from a sewer pipe. And people wonder why so many individuals in the younger generations have no clue about what true biblical Christianity is. This is not a game. Satan has no pity for his victims. We are temporarily on this earth, invited to spend eternity with God, or can choose to spend it with Satan. It is that clear. Choose wisely. With much love, Pastor Kelly. My thing is stuck here. I don't know how to... My my tablet is stuck. I got it. I got it. Thank you, sir. Technical difficulties. I, I, I don't want to, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to miss though what I just said. Folks, and this is the fruit of that false love gospel. And, and parents are more afraid of losing their kids' friendships than they are of losing them to the world. True love, God's love, corrects erroneous teaching. And the false love gospel has wreaked havoc on our youth. We have to stop teaching our children they can continue to live in sin and go to heaven because they made a declaration. It's not scriptural. And it's cowardly that we refuse to tell our children the truth. Grace teaches us how to live a holy life before the Lord. Eternity is at stake. And the scripture says that the only thing that those who trample on the son of God and treat his blood as a common thing, insulting the spirit of grace by continuing to sin willfully have to look forward to is judgment. We return to the sternness of this letter. Do not neglect your salvation. 
And going back to verse 25 where it says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. There's a sternness to this letter. In Exodus 19, the Lord spoke these words to Israel. He said, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom, a priest and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And the Lord speaks the same thing to New Testament Christians and Peter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood kings a priest a holy nation a people for god's own possession that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light what god wanted for israel a a kingdom a people to be holy before him a royal kingdom a priest of those who loved him those who obeyed him he performed in christ And so the Lord still cries out, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. And these words still apply today. When a priesthood of people reject their God, only destruction can follow. How are we destroyed By a rejection of the knowledge of God, a knowledge of his ways, his laws, and his precepts. And this people perish for lack of knowledge of God and his salvation. And this knowledge, Israel might have drawn from the law in which God had revealed in his counsel and will, but they would not. Israel rejected the knowledge and forgot the law of its God and would be rejected and forgotten by God in consequence. Hear this. To reject is willful, conscience, deliberate sin. And to forget is an act of negligence. You need to hear that again. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And he said, to reject is willful, conscience, deliberate sin. And to forget is an act of negligence. The rejection of God's laws was the act of the understanding and will. Forgetfulness of it comes from the neglect to look into it. The priests knew God's law and they despised it. The people forgot it. Both are to blame. The people who refuse sound doctrine are indeed negligent and therefore forget. Those who are mandated to teach God's holy word reject and despise it. We were negligent in God's word. Why? Because we refuse to look into it. We, we skip over scriptures like this because we don't really like what it says. And we don't really want to know what it means. We want to pretend like it's for somebody else. Not us. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, if it is in the Bible, it is so. It's not to be even prayed about. It's to be received and acted upon. Inactivity is a robber which steals blessings. Increase comes by action by using what we have and know. Your life must be going one from faith to faith. 
If it's in the word of God, you don't need to pray about it. You act on it. And people have all sorts of excuses, all sorts of reasons why they can't do something or why they won't do something or why it's not for them. Verse 28 said, if anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, right? This is Old Testament law. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 17. It's renewed in the New Testament by Jesus and Matthew, where he said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be like a heathen and a tax collector. Means get him out. Assuredly, I say to you, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them. My father is in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there in the midst of them. This is not a verse about the gathering of the brethren. And people use it all the time and say, where two or three are gathered that we're having church. No, that's you are misquoting and mishandling scripture. This is about how to rightly handle a sinning brother. And the God and God's word reveals that it's to be acted upon. We cannot neglect God's word and how to love the brethren. And it's not just in taking care of each other's physical needs, but much more so to the attending of the spiritual needs of one another. Because if we really believe this urgent warning in Hebrews, that if you continue to sin willfully, then you would apply it to your own life and you would keep a keen eye on your brother. If you really believed it. And if you don't really believe it, then you doubt God's word. Then that means you doubt God. Then you're in a whole nother place. Verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. And insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. And again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And negligence in forsaking the gathering. It means a public worship. And because people use this all the time. Say we're two or three are gathered. We're, we're having Bible study. And we're doing this. And we're doing that. And we're fellowshipping. This literally means public worship. Because the Greek here is contrasting it with the word synagogue, the place of public worship. It's the place of public worship. It's the time of public worship. So it's not just in attending uh, some place with another Christian, you know, for coffee or for tea, but it's a corporate meeting where the church worships together as one, where we receive the preaching of the word, where we lay hands on one another, where we pray for one another. And he says, the negligence of this has the potential to lead us into willful sin. That's what he's saying. Those are connected. And I want you to get this tonight. It has the potential to lead us to willful sin in a great many different ways. We isolate, we, 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 we begin to deceive ourselves. Yeah. 
We lie to ourselves. We think we are okay. And I have seen it more times than I encount. And I can tell you myself, I have been there myself. I have been there myself. And I thought I was okay. And I was, I was not okay. Then praise God, the tone of the letter changes. And we receive some encouragement. (laughs) But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. And I believe it's beneficial to look back on your salvation experience and remember the joy that you had at the beginning. When you shared Christ so loudly, everyone departed from you. And maybe that was just me. (laughs) When all you could do was talk about Jesus, you didn't care about anyone or anything except to be near him. You didn't care who parted from you because all you wanted to do was be in the house of God. You wanted to worship with others. You wanted to pray with people. You wanted to be at the altar. You wanted to be in prayer sessions. You wanted to sing songs to God. And I remember I was, I was so ecstatic about Jesus and being forgiven and being a born again, new creation. I could not shut up about it. And, and, and seriously, like I was ridiculed and I was made fun of and I was abandoned by all my friends, but I didn't care. I didn't care. I knew what he had done and nothing else mattered. But to know him and be in his presence. And I could not stop talking about him. And I liken it to remembering when you first fell in love. How you couldn't wait to be near that person. Just to hold their hand, talk on the phone, sit next to them. If even for a few minutes. When I passed Matt, he was down at, at the, in, on the military installation. And we were about 45 minutes apart. Probably with traffic could be an hour sometimes. And I remember... We, we would drive 45 minutes to talk for 10. And then you got comfortable. And trials came to test your relationship. You became more concerned with what others thought about you than what he thought. And cared more to please others than to please Jesus. Because guess what? He became old hat. And you got comfortable... And you got apathetic. And like an old married couple that began to take their spouse for granted, forgetting why you ever loved them, beginning to categorize their faults instead of listing their attributes. And you became 20 year strangers because of neglect. And you part ways because you, we fell out of love. Nobody falls out of love, it's ne- negligence. Just as in your walk with God, you didn't fall out of love. You neglected your walk. David prays, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. To look back upon past events, which may be very instructive for us, and they prove the means of establishing us in our resolution of adhering to the gospel. And here in particular, he says, reflect on what you have suffered and how you were supported and delivered by God in your suffering. That you, may, you didn't become despondent upon the approach of similar evils. 
but we would still trust in God and persevere in faith. And Corinthians says we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also must may be manifested in our body. And he says, recall the former days, verse 33, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. They were willing to be made a spectacle for Christ. This was expressed by the common cry, Christianos ad leones. The phrase translates, them that were so used. And it's not used in a passive tense here, but a very active and ongoing manner of life. In the Greek, this exposed is in a public theater exposed to public reviling. It references to the assaults upon honor and a good name to the assaults upon the person and outward possessions held up to public view or exposed to public scorn. When this was done here in precisely what manner we are not told, it was not an uncommon thing though for early Christians to be held up to reproach and scorn. And probably this refers to some time when it was done by rulers or magistrates. Here specifically, they had their possessions stolen from them by officials. And it was a common custom among the Greeks and Romans to lead criminals before they were put to death through the theater and thus expose them to insults and reproaches of the crowd. They were made a spectacle before all of public. And the writer of Hebrews encourages these believers that it's good and right to be made a spectacle for the only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul said, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Jesus said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he says, and in, in being made a spectacle and ridiculed on this public form of theater, do not cast away your confidence. He says, do not cast away your confidence for it has great reward. And this word confidence here is boldness. And it begins back in verse 19 where it says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So he says, don't cast away that boldness that you had to enter in through the blood of the lamb. Don't cast away that confidence, that boldness to go in through the blood of the lamb, because this has a great reward. He says, remember then what you have already endured and press on because there's a greater reward in heaven. Do not cast away your boldness as a cowardly soldier cast away a shield and flees in the day of battle. But since God has supported you and brought you through our sufferings thus far, right? My Ebenezer, God has helped me thus far. 
with much patience and joy, maintain and improve your confidence and courage against all difficulties and dangers, which has a great reward by a way of recompense for your obedience. It says a reason for holding faster confidence is now found in the result of doing so. It has great reward. Therefore, he says, do not throw it away as a worthless thing that you have no further need of. In Romans chapter 8, this is a very, very popular verse. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So he says, who can condemn you? It is Christ that died and redeemed you. No one else did that for you. So no one else can condemn you. No one can come against you. It's Christ that died for you. Christ did it. What? In verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And notice that Paul says there's no form of tribulation or trial or persecution or distress that can separate us. There's no external circumstances. There's no revilings from evil men. We are conquerors from all these things that make us a spectacle through Christ. And even if they take our lives, they cannot take our souls. But we often quote and misinterpret this scripture, leaving out a very important caveat. That the love of God is found in Christ and only when we identify ourselves with him. Because Paul does not mention here sin. He doesn't mention disobedience. He doesn't mention rebellion. He doesn't mention unbelief. Why? Because willful sin and disobedience tramples on the precious blood of Christ. And will eventually separate forever those who do not abide in Christ and obey his gospel. But they cast away their confidence. We should take seriously... Peter says, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers and those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed for it is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Do not cast away your confidence. And Job said this, and I'm going to close with this scripture. Russ, will you come play? Job said this, he says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps, and I have kept his way 
and not turned aside. You know, if anybody was made a spectacle, it was Job. (laughs) The man that lost everything in a day. And his friends came and accused him falsely. He said, I've done nothing wrong. And he was made a spectacle before all. But he trusted himself to God. He trusted his life to the Lord. He trusted his future to the Lord. And he was be, he was willing to be made a spectacle for the Lord. And if that meant losing everything, then that meant losing everything. But we know the end of Job. And I want to take a minute tonight and apply this to our lives. If there's anything in here that God spoke to you tonight, don't leave here without addressing it. God's word is meant to separate the flesh from the bone. And this kind of scripture is hard to receive sometimes. It's hard to hear. But if we don't apply it, we, we do, we're inactive with it. We do nothing with it. And we walk away unchanged. And we don't give the Holy Spirit a chance to work on us. And to work in us. And I always say, if, if you have a heart to repent, it's good. That's a good thing. Because it means the Holy Spirit's still working on you means he's still working on you he's still with you he's still talking to you but let's take these words seriously folks we don't want to treat the blood of Christ as a common thing and mock the spirit of grace if you have anything that you need to repent of, just do that tonight. If you know you are sinning willfully, repent of it before it's too late. Return to him and he will return to you. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight if you do not know the Lord. And I want to tell you, that you will not go to heaven unless the blood of Christ is applied to your life. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. There is no name given among men whereby we must be saved. And if you have not repented of your sins, turn from your ways, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he would forgive you of all your sins and you can live this overcoming life that the Bible says that we can live, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can overcome every trial, every tribulation, every temptation by his spirit and his precious blood. There is nothing that we cannot endure. There is nothing we cannot overcome, but you cannot do it without him. 
If that's you, just just call out to him tonight. If you want someone to pray with you, raise your hand and someone will come and pray with you. If you've been far from the Lord, just come running back to him. We, we, are, we are not of these. Paul, continue, you know, in the book of Hebrews, and the writer continues to say, but we are not of those that, that fall back into those iniquities. I, I, I believe better of you. We are going on to better things. And I believe better of us that we are not going back to sins. We're not going back to things that we've been forgiven from. We are not those that continue to sin willfully. We walk on overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. That is my declaration tonight. That we are conquerors in the name of Jesus. Return to your first love. you're watching online and anything spoke to you you can just pray that prayer Father I thank you for this message tonight God it's just been burning on my heart for the last couple weeks Lord thank you for your word thank you for your warnings God you are so good to us that you warn us of these things and how to keep our feet on that right path, God. Let us not be negligent in our Christian walk, Father. We just thank you and praise you tonight, Lord. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and the precious, precious blood of the Lamb, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining online. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.